You're listening to the New Century Multiverse, Stone Spring Maidens. Chapter 29, Down Once More, Washington, May 17th, 1884. Harry bolted along the nighttime Columbian streets, veering to avoid civilians who shrieked in fright as this newly famed armored figure ran among them. Horses reared up and she heard shouts as a roving squad of cops caught sight of her down the avenue. She was ordered to stand still and put her hands in the air. Instead, she rushed off, a cacophony of bellowing and angry gunshots erupting behind her. Harry had never walked in this neighborhood alone. She would have wound up lost in a labyrinth of closed-off houses had the domed spire of the Capitol building not hoved into view in the distance. That allowed her to orient herself. She knew she could trace a straight line between that edifice and the Lincoln Memorial down by the shores of the Potomac. Harry wound and turned corners, always glancing about for more police, hearing the jackboots on the pavement just a few streets away. She made it out onto the grassy mall and ran east, staying as out of sight as something so extraordinary could. She thanked her stars she had opted for a black finish to the armor. If she got through this, maybe she would craft some heat-venting covers to the glowing crystals, paint over the brass detailing, and adapt this into a stealth suit. No, too loud and bulky. Strip it down first. When the white marble statue of the seated Lincoln began to draw near, Harry had to admit something to herself. She was exhausted. Just moving her legs was tiring her now. Staying aloft, especially in those claustrophobic tunnels, would be nigh on impossible. She would drop into unconsciousness before she reached him. She climbed the steps and stood before Abraham, then decisively unlatched her chest plate and let that and the back fall to the ground. Bending down, she unlatched the running sickles she had strapped to her back and shed first her upper leg armor, then the lower legs themselves, swapping them for her unpowered prosthetics. She stood again and shrugged out of her shoulder and arm plates before removing her helmet and unhooking the band from the inside. She was still wearing a series of webbed harnesses connecting each relay of crystals to her central crown, and she decided now all she would need were her gauntlets. Breathing the cold night air at last, she found the secret hidden latch within Lincoln's enormous seat of power, and the stonework rolled aside to reveal an entrance to the Nordstrom tunnels. He was down there, and so was Penny. For a moment, Harry was torn, looking back at the pieces of her suit where they lay. This was precious to her. But if she didn't move fast right now, if she wasted just seconds trying to hide each piece of armor behind the door, something beyond precious might be lost forever. Harry took a step down into the dark and closing the monument behind her, tensed and took off at an energy-conserving jog. The tightness in her belly quickened her pace until she was running flat out.
Penny's booted feet tripped and scrambled through the darkened passages, drawn inexorably onward by that steely grip on her arm. White's movement was staggered, his left leg seemingly harder to work than his right. It felt like the two of them had been running at this loping pace for miles now. They had descended so far that she was beginning to despair of ever seeing the sky again. And all of a sudden, he stopped, turned, and grasped one of three hanging torches, pulling it downward as the sound of a lever rang out. The wall beside them shuddered and drew back, revealing a cavernous chamber. Racks were arrayed with weaponry, tools and supplies. Shelves were stacked with preserved food, and off to the east was a dormitory lined with wooden bunks. All around them were tables piled high with cartography equipment and leather-bound folders. Candles burned in the chilly underground air, and the smell was that of damp earth, stone, and gunpowder. They descended steps and approached the central oblong table, upon which a great map of Harry's nation was painted in minute detail. Each separated territory was populated by miniature figurines, and each land was coloured to represent its current status. So many to the west were scattered with what she recognised as question marks, and from the looks of it, most of those in the east were beset with conflict. This underchamber was both frightening and enticing to Penny. The thought occurred to her that if she had come across it whilst exploring as a child, she would have spent days finding each secret hidden nook and cranny, turning over every artifact in her hand like the most precious of treasures. Looking back at who she was then, a pang of negative self-reflection stabbed her. She recognized it as disappointment in her adult self. Were she to now meet the child she had been, Penny would ask herself how such bravery could be contained in such a tiny frame. White left her standing beside the map table as he climbed a spiraling tower of wooden stairs. Penny urged herself to follow and saw him carefully lay the haversack of explosives at the top, above which appeared to be a trapdoor. For a moment, it seemed a strange place to store such a volatile substance, but the fear she had been staving off began to gather as White grasped the end of a fuse attached to a roller and carefully pulled it out, retracing his steps down the stairs past Penny and back to the center of the chamber, the long length of black waxed wire snaking behind him. What's up there? Penny asked, her voice rebounding off the stone walls. Something broken. I thought you were retreating, ending all this. This will never end. White shot back, retrieving a heavy-duty blasting machine with its distinctive T-shaped handle. He found the end of the dark cable and began the process of wiring it for detonation. I will keep fighting until I am ended, but I cannot conceive of a world where I would simply lay down arms and surrender to what is being done to my nation, to our people. What is being done? The very worst of us are exploiting the basest of impulses within my species. After only 108 years, the great project that was America has been corrupted from within. And with our systems broken, all of us would pay the price. 
however, and with this last word, he straightened up. Above our heads is the Capitol building, where the Senate and the Legislative Branch convene. It survived the Wendigo, but it did not survive the ethical disintegration that comes inexorably with the profession of politician. I shall mirror that collapse. When the District of Columbia awakens this morning, the whole building will be inside a sinkhole. The air where grand decisions were made hung about with ash. If we are to truly move forwards and renew, we must burn down the old. He watched the dawning horror on Penny's face as she glanced around to the corners of the high chamber and saw more dynamite nested there, spiderwebbed across the ceiling with long, dark fuse threads. White shook his head. But I will not be a monster. You helped me realize that about myself, and I thank you. I lost sight of the innocence I was trying to protect, and I found myself far too ready to kill in order to uphold that. If I were to bring down the Capitol in daylight with everyone present, then the good men and women who have been working to stem the tide would be brought down along with those who think only of advancing their own standing. So the building can be sacrificed. And for as many nights as I am able to survive, I will stalk Columbia, going from lavish bedroom to lavish bedroom, surgically removing those blights upon our system. Will you kill me? Am I too connected with this alliance between our races that you deem so dangerous? This brave response coming from her own lips shocked Penny. She pictured her younger self holding onto her right hand, lending her strength. And to her left, the warm touch of Harry. Something else was there too. A force that had been gathering for a while. Will you let me go? She continued, trying to stabilize her tremulous voice. And trust that, alongside your daughter, I shall endeavor to make the world we are in better. Our way. Her left eye began to twitch. If this was to happen, then so be it. But she would get her last words spoken. What is she to you? To me? She's the woman I love, with every fiber of my being. Penny cried. Her arm was twitching, and her legs were shaking. I don't know. She was unendingly proud of Thomas and Sarah. The Elaine took a gasping breath. <sighs> but she is utterly ashamed of you. White turned, his expression distorting behind the mask. Life is messy. Penny murmured. We should expect force. Let me go back to her and... Her eyes turned skywards and she began to tumble down. White darted forwards and caught the Elaine before her forehead could strike against first the hard mahogany tabletop corner and then the flagstones below. What was happening? 
He tapped his stolen lip shell through his helmet. Was this another trick? Her eyes were fluttering frantically as her limbs spasmed. He pulled her clear of the table, kicking several chairs aside to create a space to set her down. The pale young woman shuddered, losing all control as her arms clenched up, hands clawing at nothing. Panic coursed through Mr. White. His mind cast back to years and years ago, in the time before the Wendigo. He had read books and books and medical report after medical report about Thomas Arlington firmly but gently rolled Penny onto her side and into the recovery position. He snatched a cushion from a fallen chair and placed it under her head, wiping the foam from her mouth and ensuring she neither bit nor swallowed her tongue. They abided in the chamber together. Penny's mind shut away, Thomas upon his knees, terrified to allow himself to feel what was now gripping his heart. It's all right, he whispered. This will pass. Penny's spasms slowly became less violent. She was alive, but Thomas could not breathe. He loosened the awkwardly fitting Elaine armor around her throat, then reached up, drew back his hood, and unlatched his mask. Breathe with me. This exact moment, the chamber's secret wall rolled back, and Harry stepped in behind the pair on the floor. She took one look at the woman she loved with this craven wraith kneeling over his prey, and a burning fury took hold of her. Thomas turned his head as Harry charged down the stone steps towards him. It was time. This was right. He stood up and faced her and Harry did not slow. Flinging out her left gauntlet, she impacted with his throat and slammed him ten feet back against the wall, scraping his arm as she pressed and squeezed. Looking through that scarred, broken face, not seeing the eyes, all she could think was two words of inescapable finality. End this. She drew back her right hand, balling the gauntlet into a fist and targeting his temple. Harry could feel the devastating power in her hard hands. She experienced the sensation of landing the killing blow, and behind her, the forest beckoned. She stayed in the moment, no need to overthink this. Harry. A soft voice behind her. She did not turn. Harry. Let him go. Penny said, attempting to sit up. Harry's jaw tightened. Let him go. For just a moment, just a single, uninterrupted breath, all three in that underchamber felt something gentle 
a force that was undyingly forgiving, moved through them. Harry's eyes relaxed. Working her metal fingers around, she found the hidden catch at the shoulder of the scorpion suit. She unhooked the breastplate and let it fall to the floor. Thomas stood unprotected. Harry let go of his throat and finally looked upon that face. It was ravaged, mutilated, twisted and pitiful. But the embers in those deep, soulful eyes, the fierce intelligence, the secretive sorrow, told her what she needed to know. He was still her father. She pulled him away from the wall and embraced him tightly, feeling his pounding heartbeat through her shirt. Thomas's arms had been by his sides, but slowly, each beat pushing him forwards, he raised them up until he was holding his daughter for the first time in this wretched fraction of an afterlife. From down the far passageways, the three could now hear marching, echoing footfalls. Thomas pulled away from Harry, his whole form arching like a cornered feline. White was dead. All that could be lost now rose up to devour him. They must not find me. He begged Harry, stooping to retrieve his breastplate and mask. I must be gone from here. No, wait, Harry cried a sudden urgency taking hold of an entirely different part of her. I only just got you back. I'll talk to them and we'll figure this out. The figure shook its head. All that exists before you now is a ghost. The footfalls drew nearer as Harry let go and stepped away. Penny had gotten to her feet and moved forward to touch her arm. Harry let her gauntlets fall to the floor, finding those comforting fingers enmeshed in hers. And the wraith that had been Mr. White drew backwards into the shadows behind the walls, melting away into the darkness. Harry could feel his yearning gaze upon her until it too was gone. Truth arrived in the underchamber, a Winchester in her hands and Stone Company to her back. She was entirely ready to unleash a firing squad upon him and pick through the remains. What she found was her sister, being held tightly by Penny in the center of the room, the tail end of a long, deactivated fuse beside them. Extensive searching of the hidden catacombs adjacent to this one revealed nothing more of white save for a pile of armor and an empty mask. 